Psalms 118, verse 5. I'm reading the NIV Bible. It reads, when I was in great pain, I cried out to the Lord. He answered me and set me free. In the complete English Bible, it reads, in tight circumstances, I cried out to the Lord. The Lord answered me with wide open spaces. Note the contrast between tight circumstances and wide open spaces. The complete Jewish Bible reads, from being hemmed in, I called on Yah. He answered and gave me more room. The Message Bible says, pushed to the wall, I called to God from the wide open spaces. I really fell in love, Bazalana, with the book of Psalms, particularly now during lockdown because I read a lot of it. And to find that the book of Psalms is written by different authors. You've got the wise men, what they call the sages. You've got Psalms, Psalms that ascribe to David. Some ascribe to Moses. Some subscribe to Korah, the musician. All kinds of psalms. And these psalms, when you read them, are very specific about what these people were going through at that time. Some of the psalms, when you read them, you find that they were used by the church and the believers later on. And even the people of Israel as psalms that they used during Liturgy. Liturgy is simply the format of worship, the structure that you use in how you, you do your public praying and your public worship. Every church has got its own uh, liturgy. We also have ours. Uh, I remember growing up, Kohaye, we used to visit our family here in, in, in Orlando, in Orlando East and uh, Orlando West, rather, and we would go to church with them, like public holidays like this, if we went and we stayed over for Sunday, we'd go to church, and they went to a Catholic church. And uh, we being in the Dutch Reformed Church, the United Reformed Church, it was, always, it was always a mission to be in the service because I just never could get things right. Because, you know, in the way they do church, their liturgy is different to ours. You know, they, they say things, they confess, then they stand and they kneel down. And I was always on the wrong beat. When they stood, I went down. When I went down, they stood. I mean, it, it was just, I just didn't know. But, but every church, if you look at our programming, we start with praise and with worship. We come with announcements. Then we do worship rather. Then we go into the preaching. Then we minister. We do the altar call. Then we pray for the sick. That's what we call liturgy. So, the children of Israel would take these psalms as part of their liturgy and they would use these psalms in that time. This particular psalm, when we read it, it has many interpretations. But all in all, this psalm is a hymn of thanksgiving for deliverance from enemies. And of the many interpretations about this psalm, there are three that have gained adherence. People, theologians, and Bible scholars believe that you can ascribe this psalm to either of these three people. Number one, it could be a Davidic king who's leading the nation in liturgy of thanksgiving because they have been delivered and they have experienced victory after a hard-fought battle and they had fought 
with a powerful group of nations and they had overcome. So they are given the psalm because they're grateful to God that even if we're a small nation, we were able to achieve victory. And if you want to find a scripture for that, it's 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 27 and 28. I hope you write it down and you read it, Bazalan. And I hope in the week you make reference to it. Look at your neighbor's angle and say, Particularly if they're a regular attender here. Look at them again and say, We're not even, not even one Sunday. How? So it could be a psalm wherein the nation and the king is leading the nation in remembering how God had delivered them and had brought victory. Secondly, it could be a psalm where Israel is celebrating maybe the Feast of Tabernacles or she's celebrating her deliverance from Egypt or even celebrating her victory over the Canaanites. This psalm would fit there. But then thirdly, this psalm could also be the Jews celebrating after exile. They are celebrating deliverance from their enemies. And you know during exile, they would be taken away. The city would be destroyed. The temple would be totally destroyed. And probably they could be celebrating the second dedication of the temple as we find in Ezra chapter 6 verse 16. Or it could be that they are celebrating at the dedication of the rebuilt wall of Jerusalem as we read in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 37. Whatever interpretation you want to go with, the structure of this psalm opens with the liturgy of a call to praise God. You see, you and I, when we begin, when we gather in the house of God, the first thing we do and the first on the agenda is God himself. That's why I was leading us in that song and, and I'm glad where some of you join in when we praise. You know, some of you maybe have forgotten that we are not singing just to be filling in the program. We're not singing to be waiting for the main thing called preaching. No, 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 no. The singing and the worship is part of our expression to God. It's part of our expression to say, God, even in spite of these years where we have gone through the lockdown and we have gone through what we have gone through, you, God, has kept us. Even if we have cried and we have had pain and even if we were confused, but you, God, you have been with us. And so, God, we want to start with you. We want to call upon you. Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a good amen? And so you, from verse 1 to verse 4, it's a call to praise God. Then from verse 5, it becomes a song of thanksgiving for deliverance in battle. And you and I today are focusing on verse 5. When I was in great pain, I cried out to the Lord. He answered me and he set me free. In tight circumstances, one translation says, I cried to the Lord. The Lord answered me with wide open spaces. And so the psalmist opens with these words, when I called upon the Lord in distress. When I called upon God when I was in anguish. In other words, he's saying, the tone of my prayer I, 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 I expressed what I was feeling and what I was going through. Nothing was left him but prayer. I was in such a tight spot. 
I was in such trouble that there is nothing that I could do. The agony was too great. And because the agony was great and because I was hemmed in and I was in a tight spot and I had my back against the wall, I called upon God. You see, prayer that comes out of distress comes out of the heart. And therefore, because it comes out of our hearts, it goes to the heart of God. You see, when we are in trouble and I, and I pray to God that now that the COVID situation, as much as it keeps on changing, but things are better now than they were, I just pray that as things ease up, we don't go back to our old, lethargic, lazy ways of worshiping God in a half-hearted way. I know during COVID, we prayed and we worshiped with our hearts because our life was hanging by a shoestring. See, there's a way you pray when you're in crisis that's different to the way you pray when there's no crisis around. In the first service, I was giving an example of think of yourself as a pilot for a while. Ne? Think of yourself, tell your neighbor, you are sitting next to your pilot. Hey, hey. hey you are sitting next to your pilot here. Yeah. All right? So think about yourself as a pilot, and here you are, you are flying a twin engine plane, right? You're flying over a place that is a. Uh, 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 it's, a, it's a whole bush and you can see all the trees and you're flying over this place and, 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 and from nowhere without warning you hear something pop so you look on, the, on, your, on your panel of instruments and you note that you have lost one engine at that stage you are okay because pilots have been trained that you can still fly the plane on one engine so, you know, it's a crisis, but ah, it's manageable, all right? You are afraid, Marant Ahman, this one can pass, right? And, and before long, you had another pop. And now it's the second engine. And so you shout and scream to the control room, Mayday, 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 I've just lost two engines. And they tell you, where are you? You tell them the location, they say, look, even if there's a, you are covered with bush, there should be an open space somewhere there as you float in the, the aeroplane, because even if you've lost engines, you can still float it in and land it. It's not easy, but it's doable. So here you are, you float in the engine in, and here you're coming towards the landing, and the belly of the, the, belly of the plane is scraping against the trees. How many of you know at that time, you lose all your confidence as a pilot, and you scream out to God, God! How many of you know that your prayer at that time has a different tone altogether. <laughs> when you say God help you, you're not playing because your life is hanging by a shoestring. That's the tone of the psalm. When I called to God in my distress, because I had my back against the wall, I was hemmed in. I called upon God. The man of God who called upon God when he was not in distress before, but now. Now that he's, he's, he's distressed, he finds it natural and easy to call upon God. But it's quite interesting. That expression, calling upon God, is an all-inclusive term. It means he worshipped God. It means he praised God. It means he prayed to God. It means when this man was in a difficult situation, his praise was not locked away. His worship was not read. His praise and his exaltation to God went up to the heavens in spite of what he went through. In fact, when you read this in the original, you find that 
this man called upon God, as the one translation says, when I was hemmed in. The original says, I was in a narrow gorge. What does it mean? He's saying, I was in a tight spate, in a narrow gorge. I didn't know where to go. And God intervened to take me out of the gorge and take me out of the narrow place. And he put me on a large place. He says, when I called on God, God took the night and turned it into day. When I called on God, God took the tragedy. God took the pain. God took my tears and he turned it into joy. Because when I called upon him, I did it with all my heart. I'm saying this because in spite of the years we've been through, there are still some of you who are going through things out there. There are people in KZN are going through things out there. Maybe you are looking at a lost job. You are looking at a situation that seems not to be happening. But I want to tell you, call upon God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, God help me. Because even if I'm shut in, even if I'm restrained, God is not shut in. God is not restrained. Even when I don't know where to go, God knows where to go. Even if I don't know what to do, God knows what to do. That's why when I called upon him, he came on the scene. And he did only what God can do. Can I hear a good amen in the house? When he talks about God answering, the translator said, he answered me. In the original, it says, he heard. In other words, God hears and answers. Brings you out of this narrow, confined condition into a place of liberty where you can walk at large. You can be free. You can be free from obstruction. Free from oppression. Here we are, many of us. We're celebrating the Passover. And we can join with the psalmist in this verse that we were in the deep distress of our sin. We were shut up in prison under law. We were children of disobedience, filled with the spirit of the devil, destined for hell. But the answer to our prayer God responded. God justified. God set us free. As the scripture says in John 8, 36, if Jesus, if the Lord sets you free, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. It was the Lord who did it. He did it unto his name. And that is why we ascribe the praise to him. We're not going to be confused to pray to other gods. We're not going to be confused to move away from our faith. We're not going to be confused to serve things that are said it's a being. We're not going to be confused to put things on our body that we don't understand. We're not going to be confused to go somewhere and not be sure about God. But God deserves all the merits. When we had no strength, when we had no wisdom, all we could do is to call upon him. And God gave us mercy. God came to our rescue. God brought us out of bondage. And therefore we delight ourselves in what God has provided. We delight ourselves in the length and breadth of his inheritance. God has brought us in a lively place. All that is has come to us because of Christ. The book of Ephesians talks about the riches that God has given at our disposal. 
Blessed is the Lord our Father who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. This God listened to us in our distress and he was generous towards us. And all we have is ours. God has given us the places. God himself is ours. And we are lodging in a place that is a different place because we called upon God. This psalm has a similar tone to Psalms 120, verse 1. And Psalms 120, from that psalm to some of the psalms, these are psalms that are classified as the psalms of ascent. The reason is that when you read these psalms, you hear when the psalm starts, it seems to have a somber tone to it. But as the psalm continues to unravel, there's a different tone of voice. Like somebody who comes out of the valley of the shadow of death. And God lifts them up and brings them to a higher place. Because that's what God is able to do all the time. And we are told that these are the psalms that the children of Israel would sing. As they would go up to, to the mountain, to Jerusalem to worship. And as they ascended, it was a prophetic statement. Was was As they were talking, every step they were making a declaration. Even if I'm down, I know God is going to bring me up. Even if I think I'm going to lose, God is going to bring me up. Even if the devil thinks I am under, God is going to bring me up. And they would use this psalm as a chant, as a statement, as banyuga, going up all the time. Going up all the time. Because let me tell you, the devil can never keep you under forever. Unkulunkulu way too is going to raise you up. Can I hear a good amen? It doesn't matter what you're going through in your life. It doesn't matter what you're going through in your career. God is going to lift you up. And the psalm begins, In my distress, I cried to the Lord. And... He heard me. I love it in the New Living Translation. It says, I took my troubles to the Lord. Take your troubles to the Lord. Not to a psychic. Not to some somebody out there. I said, take your troubles to the Lord. Not to a mind reader. Take your troubles to the Lord. It says, in my distress, I took my troubles to the Lord. He says, I cried out to him. And he answered me. Jonah understood that. And when you listen to Jonah say it in Jonah 2, verse 2, you get another understanding. Listen to what he says. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help. Listen to the New Living Translation because it's quite interesting. He says, I cried to the Lord in my great trouble. Let's remember what happened here. Jonah was in trouble because of his wrong decisions. His trouble was a self-manufactured trouble. Mara, even if <laughs> I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying to you. I don't know if you're hearing what the Bible is saying to you. Jonah says, even if God could
could stand by and say you deserve it. God could stand by and say, I told you so. God could stand by and say, I warned you and you never listened to me. But in spite of that, when I cried out, when everybody said, leave him, leave her, he deserves it. When everybody says, every time born, now they make this wrong decision. But this God, this God, Jonah says, I was in trouble because I got myself in trouble. I was in trouble because I made the wrong decision. I was in trouble because I showed God the middle finger. I was in trouble because I wouldn't listen to him. But even when I'm in trouble, I still turn to the one who will never turn his back on me. I still went to the one who loves me when I don't love him. I still run into the hands of the goodness of God. The one who's good even when I'm bad. I still run to him who is faithful even when when I'm unfaithful and when I called when I called when I called when I called and nobody would listen to my prayer and nobody would come to my aid and nobody would come to my help and I didn't know what to do and I was all alone in my room and I was left there with my thoughts when I called he answered me he answered me he answered me he answered me the English standard version says he answered me out of the belly of Shuol I was in the deepest of trouble I was in the deepest of graves. My life was disappearing in front of my eyes. There was no light of day. There was no hope at all. I was there because I deserved it. But somehow, somehow this God, this good God, this good God, not only did he hear me, but he answered me. Oh, give him a big hand. He answered me. Oh, he answered me. He says, you heard my voice. The Berean translation says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From the belly of Shoal, I called for help. And you heard my voice. You heard my voice. When I called, you didn't judge me. You looked at the sincerity of my heart when I called. You listened to my cry. So the question is, in desperate situations, can we call on God? Can we depend on God? Can we trust in God? In these sobering times when people have lost jobs, lost loved ones. In these times when people are unemployed. Stock market is highly volatile. Famine is spreading. We're hearing of wars. People have lost their homes. Failed mortgages. Severe droughts, floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, fires. Turmoil all over the world. Is there hope? What do we do when our backs are against the wall 
and we have nowhere to tend to and we are in serious trouble then we give an answer God really desires for you and I to be utterly dependent on him God says call on me in Psalms 50 verse 15 he says and call on me in the day of trouble some of you might be sitting here and you're in trouble sometimes you're in trouble because it's a self-made trouble don't be afraid to call as we pray today don't be afraid to talk to God as we invite you to the altar today don't have two minds about it Take the opportunity and respond. He says, call to me in the day of trouble. I will answer you. And you will honor me. Psalms 145 verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call him in truth. He's willing to listen to you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you. And I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. God's invitation. Can we depend on God? God is our father and we are his children. Children naturally cannot make it in the world without their parents. How much more we without God? In fact, God understands our weaknesses. And he says to Paul, my strength, my power becomes more visible in your weakness. God stands ever ready, ever able ever willing to help us when we need it. But we must acknowledge it. We must find freedom in knowing that God can be depended upon and be free from worry and anxiety and learn to depend on God. He says in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, You'll bear much fruit. And he says, as he underlines, apart from me, you can do nothing. First Peter 5, 7, he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Huh. You can't depend on him. In Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am surely with you always. To the very end of the age. We can depend on God. Can we trust him? Yes we can. These are times when. Like a child. Who holds on tightly to the hand of their parent. We need to hold on to the hand of God. And we know as parents. As grandparents. When we have our children. Our grandchildren in our hands. And we are crossing a rough place. We hold tightly to their hand. 
And any normal parent will never let go of their children in those times. If we, being evil, know how to love our children and take care of them and hold on to them, how much more? Like a parent holding their child's hand, God is securely caring for us, never letting us slip or fall. There are times when we can bump our head a bit, but God never lets go of us. And so in Isaiah 41, 13, he says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. I don't know what it is that you are facing in your life that brings about questions and fears. And you don't know how it's going to be resolved. May you feel the loving hand of God holding you. May his loving eyes look into your eyes. May you hear his voice as I read his word to you. And he says to you, do not fear. He volunteers his service. He says, I will help you. In short, he says, trust me, don't trust yourself. Because Proverbs 28, 26 says, those who trust in themselves are fools. Jeremiah 17, 5 says, this is what the Lord said, cursed is the one who trusts in men, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person would be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the past places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But, verse 7 says, Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence in him. Learn to trust God. People fail us. Systems fail us. Governments fail us. Leaders fail us. But God doesn't fail us. God doesn't fail us. Hold on to his hand. The psalmist says about God in Psalms 32, 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Jeremiah 32, 27, God says, I'm the Lord, the God of all mankind. And then he asks you a question. Is anything too hard for me? You can trust him. Even when you think it's too late, you can trust him. Even when you think you've exhausted all the options, you can trust him. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, my most favorite scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let me conclude. When everything seems to be falling in around us, when the wall seems to be closing in on us, when nothing in our world or in this world seems to hold any hope, when everything looks completely hopeless, just remember, God is never caught by surprise. He'll save us from calamity. He's never going to abandon us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to leave us. 
So seek him. Pray to him. Worship him. Tomorrow might be too late. Start today. Do it now. Throw your complete trust in him. Depend on him. Call on him. Let us make this determination. Number one, that our faith level can only be sustained when we locate ourselves in a nourishing environment. Decide that I'm going to be in a nourishing environment of God's word. I'm going to attend church. I'm going to be there physically. I'm going to log on in the morning in the morning prayer. I'm going to be among God's people. I'm going to locate myself in a place that will carry me in the midst of the storm. Many people hit crisis level because they disconnect from a nourishing environment. You know, when I was young, my father used to go to the soccer stadium then when Swallows, the club called Swallows, Zakir, Swallows, Zakir? Swallows, Zakir? Yeah. They had their uh, local stadium in White City, Jabav, yeah. I used to go to that stadium with my dad. Now, I remember the one day there was a match that was there, and I was still quite young. Eh? My dad took me to the stadium. And there we were standing, waiting for the gates to be opened. And when the gates were opened, people rushed in there. I mean, we were pushing against each other, squashing against each other. And somehow I got lifted from the ground. I was walking in the spirit. Because of the pushing and the shoving, I was up in the air. And I had totally no control of where I was going. Because this wave of people was taking me along. And I finally ended in the stadium. I was carried. Listen, when you come in the atmosphere of God, and sometimes you don't know what to do and you don't have any strength. Sometimes you, you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to do. Mara, just being among the wave of God. And you don't know how you got there. Because you know in that time you didn't know how to pray. You didn't know what to do. You were not strong enough. You didn't have the words. But the atmosphere alone carried you. And be away from a nourishing environment. Locate yourself. Locate yourself. I feel sorry when people don't come to church physically. I feel sorry. Because there's something about an environment like this. And this is why, Bazalana, for the last few years, I've, I've been squaring up with the critics who think we are psychologically charging you up. And I say, no, come have a look. These are not people who don't know crisis. When you see them worship, it doesn't mean everything is okay in their lives. Oh, come on, somebody, if you believe that, give the Lord a shout. 
It's not because everything is okay. It's because we are carried. In our distress, in our pain, when we couldn't pray, when we couldn't know what to think, when we didn't have a strategy, when we didn't have a plan, when we didn't know what to do, when we were hemmed in, even if we were hemmed in, we were not struck out because God was on our side and God carried us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sometimes we are not the ones who solved the problem. In fact, we don't even know how it got solved. Marakina Taba, how it got solved. As long as it's solved, we are still here in Jesus' name. We're still here. You may not know how you got healed. You may not know how you made it through that time. You may not know how you paid for that. You may not know how you may not know how you were able to still live, even if you don't have a job. You didn't know. You, you, you don't know, but I don't have to know. All I know is I called. I called. I called. I called. I called. I called. I said I called. I said I called. I said I called. And he heard me. I'm glad he heard me. He didn't tell me what I did wrong. He didn't point to my past. He didn't say you didn't pray hard enough. He looked at my heart and he heard me. He heard me. He heard me. He heard me. Come on, give him a big hand of praise. Come on, give him a hand. Number two, our declaration in times of crisis, remain standing, is that we should not be silent. Let's not stop praising him. Let's not stop talking about his goodness. Times of crisis. Don't let your hands be slack. Then let your praise be wanting. Make that declaration. Hold on to the confession of your faith. God is not dead. God is alive. The book of Hebrews says we hold on to the confession of faith. Because faithful is he who promised. If I don't see it in my lifetime, my grandchildren will see it. If they don't see it, my great-grandchildren will see it. Hold on to the faithfulness of God. Don't try to sail through the rough seas in your strength. But depend on the strength that God supplies. And by his grace, you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When I was in great pain, I cried to the Lord. And he answered me. And he set me free. That's why we make that declaration. And talk about the goodness of God.
Say, God is aware of you. Maybe you're going around in your life spiritually, you know. Your life is a mess. You know it. You just can't make headway spiritually. You're not living in a way that is pleasing to God. Did you know it? He's waiting to hear you call. He's waiting to hear you call. Maybe you've been discouraged because you served God and things went wrong and you defected to other belief systems and started embracing things that Luana you don't understand. You're hanging around with the wrong group, drinking wrong stuff, smoking all kinds of things. In spite of you trying to drown yourself in all of that, there's an emptiness in your heart and you know it. You know it. Maybe you became discouraged or angry with God and you walked away from him. Listen. He's still reaching out to you. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you fit in any of those categories, whether you want to receive Christ for the first time, whether you want to recommit your life to God, you want to do him, you just want to rededicate your life. You want to take a step to walk out of the dark and the gloominess of things that you are in. You may be feeling a change. Maybe the Christian community might be judging you because of what you've done. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't judge you. God doesn't judge you. And I'm here to lead you to prayer. All I ask you is that if you need the prayer, would you raise your hand where you are, whatever category, just raise your hand high and say, please pray for me. Thank you for those hands. Without shame. Listen, this is, a, this is a place where God heals people. This is God's hospital. We're here as God's patients. And we're not afraid. Because he's our great physician. No one can be able to cure what he cures. So don't be looking around and feeling embarrassed about what people think about you. They can't help you. They can't help themselves either. Only God can help you. Raise your hand without shame, without fear. Thank you for those hands. May I ask the people who raise their hands, I want to pray for you. I know you belong to different categories, so I want to pray a general prayer. Can you walk from where you are? Take all your belongings, your Bible, your bag, your purse, and walk to the front, please. I want to pray with you. Give them a hand, Basana, as they walk. <laughs> 